0: the JSC radio listener, the JSC radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you wanna donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you wanna hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash jscradio. Patreon.com slash jscradio, and you can truly help this become The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. I'm not good at math. I have a cheat sheet. I'm only a lawyer. I know
1: that you have a lot of education in physics and math. But I have a cheat sheet. It is my privilege to sentence you to 40 years. And when I look at my cheat sheet, 40 years—just so you know and you hear—is 480 months. The tail end. Because I need to send a message to the parole board in the event. Somehow God is gracious, and I know he is. And you survived the 60 years in federal court first, and then you started my 40 years? You've gone off the page here as to what I'm doing. My page only goes to 100 years. Sir, I'm giving you 175 years which is 2,100 months. I just find your death warrant. I find that you don't get it, that you're a danger. You remain in danger. I'm a judge who believes in life and rehabilitation when rehabilitation is possible have many defendants come back here and show you the great things they've done in their lives after probation, after parole. I
0: don't find that possible with you. Check it, Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the 63rd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. I want to thank each and every one of y'all for checking in on this show last week. Did pretty good numbers on this thing. Got a lot of got a lot of positive reviews, a lot of positive feedback on this. So I want to thank each and every one of you for your continued support of the show. I, of course, can be reached on Twitter at jscottsmith. I am verified on there. The show can be followed at jsc radio. I am on Instagram at jscottsmith, and I am on Facebook at. Real J. Scott Smith. I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting the show on Patreon. It's patreon.com/slash JSC Radio. And of course, I want to thank all of you for supporting my website, JscottSmith.com, The Mothership. As well, I want to, of course, throw out plenty of love to those of you who support the podcast wherever it may be, whether it is on iTunes, whether it is on SoundCloud, the original home, soundcloud.com slash JSC radio, whether it is on audio boom, whether you find it on Google play, if you've got an Android or any other stitcher, can't forget stitcher or any other podcast outlet, wherever you can get your podcast, simply put JSC radio into the search engine. And if you found me, thank you. Damn it. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Of course, on jscottsmith.com, you can also check out my blog. I have my weekly uh, words of wisdom that are making a comeback on there. First one for the new year was out last week. And of course, you can listen to the show directly on the site. That's jscottsmith.com. So uh, a little housekeeping here. Originally, this show, this episode was scheduled to be the retro review of the 1998 Royal Rumble, but there's no way that I could, in good conscience, with what we talked about last week, with what has happened in the corresponding week since, there is no way that I, in good conscience, could have gotten on this microphone and done a pro wrestling show. So, As is the case, and as will happen from time to time, because thankfully this is my podcast and I can do pretty much what the hell I want to do with it. I have made the executive decision to move the episode of the retro review episode. I've made the decision to move the retro review to next week, episode 64. And I want to be able to fully give you a real retro review. Because I wouldn't be doing it any justice and I wouldn't be doing you any favors by doing a half-assed show like that. So no, I will say this, however, the second half of this show, because I am not going to go another hour on this, at least not this time. The second half of this show, we are going to get over to some fun topics because I'm in a city for the first time in my life where its football team is headed to the Super Bowl. So it's a little different for me. So we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, we're going to talk about the Eagles and the Patriots and some of the cool things and the cool scenes from out here in Philly this past weekend. But um, after last week's show, there was a need to kind of, kind of not put a bow on it because this is something that's going to be out there for a while. But as I'm recording this, we're still a few hours past the sentencing of Larry Nasser, as you heard there in the open. And what has gone on in this past week has been very enlightening, eye-opening, but also really gut-wrenching. And overall very maddening, to be honest. Because, and I alluded to it during last week's show. <clears throat> but um, last week's uh Last week's show was the first time I really kind of laid it out there about my school, Michigan State University, and I kind of alluded to it. But I can honestly say this is probably the first time I've really been ashamed of my alma mater, like really been ashamed. I, I don't mean like, hey, they got shut out in a football game or, hey, they lost a basketball game to Michigan or 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 whatever they no I mean this is the first time I think I've honestly been kind of embarrassed to wear my green and white to rock my colors to wear a Michigan State hat one of my MSU hoodies or an MSU t-shirt or something in that some that area this is the first time I've really been ashamed because what was uncovered over the last week to 10 days with the, uh, with the young ladies who were uh, giving their victim statements during the sentencing of that bastard Larry Nasser, It just opened up so much into the seedy underbelly of that school and how it works. Now, I mean, everybody knows I'm not naive here. We all know every single university has dirt. All of them. I alluded to a lot of it last week. And I've alluded to a lot of it in episode 40. Every university has dirt. Every university has some semblance of scandal. It's all about the varying levels. Whether it's SMU back in the 80s with their football team being so rogue and renegade that they got the death penalty. That the University of Miami was teetering on that. That Baylor University had dueling scandals in both their football and basketball programs. And then there's Jerry Sandusky at Penn State, and we don't even need to go into that. The thing about MSU that just has kind of jumped out to me in the last few days. Oh, and trust me, I'm going to get to Joel Ferguson. The thing that's jumped out to me overall is the level of callousness. Just the total level of incompetence and buffoonery and overall lack of caring, and the, the lack of, a, of self-consciousness or self-awareness. My school has put out thousands of scholars, a multitude of highly intelligent individuals, people who have gone on to do amazing things. There is the, it's more than really a marketing campaign, it's a reality, it's called Spartans Will. If you follow me on Twitter, anytime something cool happens with MSU, whether it's athletically or in some field of academics or socially, and it involves the Spartans, I will tweet the hashtag Spartans will. Even if it's a guy who went there, like if somebody says something about Draymond Green, for example, I'm going to get Spartans will out there. If I see a Spartan in the Super Bowl, I'm going to say Spartans will Spartan in anywhere. Because we're a family. I've laid that out there. I've talked about it numerous times. But to listen to those stories of those girls, I can only, well, those girls and women. Well, a lot of them are grown women now with families. But to hear those harrowing tales over and over and over and over and over again, and to think of how poorly the university handled this, how terribly this university failed them, how arrogant and condescending and just overall disgusting they were to some of these girls.
2: All I wanted to do as a kid was go to the Olympics. I was at the height of my career at 19 and the Olympics were just one year away and I just couldn't take any more of the abuse. I was broken. Larry, my coaches and USA Gymnastics Turned the sport I fell in love with as a kid into my personal living hell. The first time I distinctly remember Larry abusing me was at my first U.S. national championships in Minnesota. I was 14 and ended up not being able to compete because of an extremely painful hip injury. My injury was very close to my pelvic bone. So when Larry put his fingers in my vagina for the first time, I innocently thought it was some sort of internal treatment for that specific injury almost each and every time I received treatment from Larry from that moment on, he would molest me. Yet, no matter what Larry was supposed to be treating on me over the years, usually my ankles or my knees, his fingers always seemed to find their way inside of me. Around the age of 15 or 16, I would start getting panic attacks before leaving to go to the ranch. One time, I was so desperate not to go, I thought faking an Injury bad enough was the only way out. I was taking a bath when I decided to push the bath mat aside, splash water on the tiles, get on the floor, and bang the back of my head against the tub hard enough to get a bump, so it seemed like I slipped. My parents immediately took me to the hospital because they thought I had a concussion. I was willing to physically hurt myself to get out of the abuse that I received at the ranch. Larry, I trusted you. I believed you were a kind person. You took complete advantage of my innocence. Your kindness was simply a ploy to molest me every chance you got. I can't even put into words how much I fucking hate you.
0: It's mind blowing to me. Judge Rosemary Aquilina sentenced Larry Nasser to 40. 40- to 175 years in prison. That will run consecutively. After, somehow some way, if Nasser were to serve the 60 fed years that he got for the child pornography, he would then serve essentially 175 years. He ain't ever getting out, never. This is not like a, a celebratory thing because so many lives were ruined. So many lives have been affected. So many lives have been damaged by that piece of garbage. I laid it out last week, I don't need to keep going into that. So many people had their lives ruined. And now that Nasser is going where he's supposed to go, first to prison and then to hell, the focus has now turned on Michigan State University as a whole, and that brings me back to Joel Ferguson. Cause yes, I was going to go there. I really wavered on whether I would play any of the audio of that horrid interview that he did with Tim Stout, a Lansing sports legend, legendary sports anchor in, in mid-Michigan. I would really kind of vacillated on whether I would play any of the audio from that, but you know what? You have to hear it for yourself. I can't read that. But it gives you an indication and an idea of what you're dealing with in these colleges and universities. Because Joel Ferguson, what what he said on Tim Stout show on WVFN in Lansing. That is par for the course for who he is. So I'm gonna let you hear a little bit of it. I'm not gonna play a lot. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you just a taste of this to give you an idea of the level of tone-deaf buffoonery that has helped Michigan State over the last really the last few months become a legit laughing stock and I'm not gonna get in front of anybody and stop them from saying it, it is. Because when you have shit like this coming out of the mouth of a man who represents your university, what the hell are you gonna do? How are you gonna dispute this?
3: Uh, Well, it's hard to pick out what people wanna hear right now. I I would just say that the the board, uh, the meeting we had the other day was five hours and uh, talking Luanna was 10 minutes we, we had so many other things we were going over and uh, we unanimously decided in that meeting right away that Luana was going to uh, we were going to support her staying as a president because uh, there's so many more things going at the university than, than just this Nassar thing I mean you, when you go to the basketball game you walk in that um, the New Breslin and the person who, who hustled and got all those major donors to. To give money was Luana Simon, and there's just so many things that make up being president of the university that, that keeps everything moving and everything right with the deans, all everything in a school where we have a waiting list of people wanting to, students who want to come, and so um, you know we we're talking to her and we define her overall job is why we want her to be the president, and we also were happy later on saying let's have a. Uh, Another investigating, bring the attorney general in, and whatever they say, we'll live with that. But we certainly aren't going to do it anything before the thing because, you know, we actually believe that when he gets through, though, that he will say that, that uh, our senior people uh, were not complicit on what this uh, pervert did.
4: Do you hear from people on both sides of the ledger on this issue or more one side than the other?
3: Uh, well, we, we, The people who actually uh, know about it, that working the university, we hear one thing. This weekend we had so many of our major donors and so many of our se- uh, uh, major alumni sending communications to us in support of the
0: president and supporting what we're trying to do. See, Joel Ferguson is the type of guy that when what went down at Baylor occurred, he's the guy that you run out in front of the camera to say really stupid shit, really egregious, offensive, awful shit. He's the guy that you run out there wearing a Penn State sweater in the midst of the Sandusky trial. We have more pressing things going on at MSU than this quote, Nasser thing. Are you out of your fucking mind? This is the single biggest thing you got. I'm a graduate of Michigan State University. I'm an alumnus, a paid alumni association member. That's not an easy thing to do on a journalist budget. I've supported this school through so much, but I'll be damned if I'm gonna sit here and listen to you try to sell to me that this woman, Luanna Simon, I talked about her last week, should remain president of the university. And the fact that she's still president of the university as I record this is already fucking egregious. But that for you to get up there and try to justify her staying because of the additions made to the Breslin Center, yeah, I've been in that trophy room. I've been in the Scandalaris Center. I've been over there. It's really fucking nice. Luanna Simon needs to go and you need to follow her ass on out. And the rest of you trustees who got out in front despite saying it was Breslin who said, he said this, that people have perceived the trustees to be tone deaf. And then what does he do shortly thereafter? Show you how tone deaf they actually are by getting behind Luanna Simon because money and fundraising It's just so damn important to you. That's how we got here in the first place with Larry Nassar. And I'm trying to understand this about Larry Nassar. I'd never heard of the little squirrely bastard until this whole thing started back in 2016. Thanks, by the way. And I tweeted this out earlier today, and I'm gonna get it out there again. Big up and mad respect to local journalists. While so many of you are out here whining about how come the national media didn't blah, 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 This shit was out there for two years, and it started in, of all places, Indianapolis, at the Indianapolis Star, when Rachel Den Olander told the Indianapolis Star about what Larry Nasser had done to her. And it spread like wildfire back up to Michigan, where M Live and the Lansing State Journal and the Detroit News, especially Kim Kozlowski and the Detroit Free Press, and Michigan Radio all got all over this. They have been on it. Quit waiting for national media to pick up every goddamn thing. So much great work is done on the local level in journalism, something that I have been a part of on so many levels. To dispute that or to act like CNN is the only place you can go, or MSNBC is the only place you can go, or Fox News, where you shouldn't be going anyway, is the only place you can go. Go to your local newspaper, your local radio station, your local public radio station, because that's where the real shit is. It ain't always gotta be national. By the time it's national, the shit been out three, four months, Larry Nasser was a story two years ago, and it started in Indianapolis at the Indianapolis Star. And it just makes me wonder, what was it about Larry Nasser? Yes, he was this quote, world-renowned doctor. I don't know of anybody he's actually helped recover. Nobody has come. No, you haven't no, it's the only people jumping to his defense, and they aren't even really jumping to his defense. They're trying to cover their own ass at the university are the trustees or were these doctors who just one by one by one kept falling in line behind the foolish. It's a medical procedure trope. Despite the fact that even they wondered, well, it is a medical procedure, but usually we wear gloves. Don't we normally wear gloves for this thing? Yes, you normally wear gloves for this thing. But the problem is it was a quote unquote medical procedure that was meant for like one or two things, and there was a protocol to it. More often than not, you're not being so invasive. This motherfucker was out here doing this to girls who had ankle problems. He was out there doing this to girls who had minor problems that had nothing to do with quote, fixing the pelvic floor. And uh, here's something, as I'm sitting here saying this, and I'm kind of getting to a different point, I look down, and I see that courtesy of my old uh, stomping grounds, the Detroit Free Press, and followed up from the state news, the student newspaper at Michigan State University, that uh, Luana K. Simon is going to step down. Thus, at least... Putting a bit of a bow on some of this, she's stepping down. It'll be effective as of Thursday, so pretty much it'll be effective as you'll hear this on Thursday. And uh, it needed to happen. I don't know what the hell took so long. I don't know why she tried to fight this thing. I don't know why the board of trustees, who looks like a bigger group of a bigger group of fool asses. I mean, if there's been a bigger group of fool asses ever assembled in one room, I'd like to meet him. I'd like to see him because that's how the Board of Trustees has looked for the last week, particularly Joe Ferguson. Think of the words that Ferguson said not even 24 hours ago as I record this about how arrogant he came off, how callous he was. Ferguson, by the way, when Rachel Den Islander, the first one to speak out against Nasser. First sued the university, Ferguson called her an ambulance chaser looking for a payday. When Luana K. Simon walks out of that door, Joel Ferguson needs to follow her. Period. Anybody who, anybody else, any doctor, any coach, any trainer, any employee, anyone, anyone who stood idly by or actively enabled or covered up or shamed or intimidated. Any of these girls needs to go. The attorney general in the state of Michigan, Bill Schuette, who's a Republican who's running for governor, is going to supposedly lead an investigation here. The NCAA, no doubt inspired to do this, thanks to asshole Ferguson getting on the radio and bragging about how they didn't even need 10 minutes to determine they were keeping Simon, which of course has turned out to be bullshit. The NCAA has even decided to investigate this. Everybody's getting in on the action. My university is one of those. I I said it last week, and I didn't want to belabor this or beat this point up too much, but the university is as much a part of my identity as anything is in my life. It's as much as part of my identity as being from Detroit or as being a journalist or being a podcaster It's like the only thing, it's the only thing, only part of my identity that's more important than Michigan State University is my identity as a man and my identity as a black man. That's how much I love and respect this university. And I love and respect this university enough to slap the shit out of it when it gets out of line and it has. Michigan State University, what the hell? Why would you pin more than 160 years worth of history? Why would you pin that reputation to some squirrely little bastard orthopedic doctor on your gymnastics team? So what, he was the doctor of an Olympic team. Who cares? Who gives a damn? Why does that matter so much? We run into that way too much. You're willing to mortgage your entire university's reputation. The road scholars, the athletes, the politicians, the civic leaders, the the scientists, the medical professionals, the real ones, the journalists, the movie stars, the actors, the actresses, the comedians, everybody, the the educators, any form of life, you're willing to mortgage all of that. You were willing to put your neck on the line for some squirrely little bastard doctor. You had an entire structure of people who did anything from nothing at all, to look the other way, to full on shame and and intimidate teenagers and young girls and women. Shame them all into silence. Why? Huh? Because he's got a name? That the, the, I, I don't understand it. And then in the midst of everything, as USA Gymnastics has members of their board openly stepping down, you've got one of your damn trustees, an elderly rich black man, no less, getting on a radio show unfiltered and deciding now's the time for him to basically take a steaming grumpy all over these girls. Saying wonderful things like They'll basically get some money out of it and after a while, they'll just move on. There are much more important things than this Nassar thing. And we're not Penn State. What happened with Penn State was with the football team.
2: I can't even put into words how much I fucking hate you.
0: Joel Ferguson, I wonder, and I've asked this question a few times, I wonder if instead of 200 women and young girls, it was 200 black boys that were molested by a white doctor over a 25 year span. And it turned out that Luana K. Simon was told of it in 2014, but it had been going on since 1992. She's told about it in 2014 and decides She doesn't see fit to follow up. She doesn't see fit to chase down any more information to get to the bottom of this. She just leaves it to her underlings like strample who did nothing and let this guy continue to see, quote unquote, patients and abuse them for two more damn years. I wonder, Mr. Ferguson, would you then have a little less cavalier attitude toward 200 black boys? Mind you. A fair amount of these young women and girls were black and brown, but 200 black boys being molested by a white doctor for more than 25 years, something the likes of the Tuskegee experiments couldn't touch. Would you then get your old, out of touch, crass, just awful ass onto a radio show and say, well, at least it wasn't the football team. They'll get over it. They just want some money. This is a sad and shameful chapter in my university's history, and it's going to take a long time. Like I said last week, this is a stink that don't come off. This is a stain that don't go away easy. This is one of those things that hangs with you for a while. This is the type of thing that you're going to have athletes and alumni and faculty members and people who just flat out support the school taking a whole lot of shit because of things like this. But the primary thing is, is that I care about, and so many of us care about, the welfare of our young women and our young girls, and our boys too. But let me just put this in the best perspective, and I use the best, the term best loosely here, let me put this in the best perspective I can. Jerry Sandusky, who committed one of the most heinous acts ever associated with a, any sort of college athletic program or any sort of university, he had 10 known victims, 10 Obviously, there were, sure, there were scores more of them, but there were 10 that were known. Thanks to the victim statements given to Judge Rosemarie Aquilina, who looks like, who's just a hero in this whole thing. She's magnificent. She's everything that Luanna Simon has not been, that the MSU Board of Trustees and Administration has not been, that Kathy Kligis never was. She's been a hero. Judge Rosemarie Aquilina, whose courtroom I've sat in, and gotten to talk to this woman. She's a lovely lady, but she don't play, and you heard it when she sentenced Nasser. She had nearly 190 victim statements. 190. That's almost 200 victims of Larry Nasser over 25 years. That's outrageous. How did this go on? How does this happen? And how many more schools have to go through this shit? How many more of these schools have to be nationally and basically shamed globally, before the memo finally gets on your desk. When somebody tells you some shit like this is happening, do not pass that buck back down the ladder. I don't give a damn if he's a high profile professor. I don't give a damn if he's a high profile coach or an athlete. If it were Tom Izzo, I'd want you to bury Tom Izzo. And Tom, what the fuck was that? I hope the right guy was convict, Tom. Seriously, it's like everybody just got a case of the stupids talking about this the last week. I don't care who you are. If it were Tom Izzo doing it, I'd hope you put Tom Izzo 30 feet under the ground. If it was Mark D'Antonio, I'd hope you put his ass 100 feet under the ground. Bury him. Stop this nonsense. Stop putting positions of power. Stop putting donations and money. Stop putting endowments and and additions onto stadiums, and new cafeterias, and fundraising, and all that fuckery. Put it all away, and let's start paying attention to what's really important out here, and it's these young girls, it's these women, it's these kids, boys and girls, because at Penn State, they failed a boatload of boys. I love my university, and I love it enough to get angry at it. And I know over time we're gonna come back to this. And I'm sure I'm gonna have some extra information for you guys at some point. I might toss a little extra show in there talking about Simon being forced to resign because yes, she's gonna be resigning. But for the life of me, do better. I don't care if you're at Michigan State, I don't care if you're at Michigan, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State, Northwestern, Penn State, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington State, I don't give a damn what school you go to, Howard. I don't care what school you go to, do better and look out for our people, our young girls, our young boys, let's treat each other right. And let's act like we got some goddamn sense. My name is J. Scott Smith, and coming up after this break, we gotta change the mood up. We We gotta have a little bit of fun, we gotta talk about something pretty cool. The Super Bowl is set. And the two teams that are going to play in it, one we talked about last year, and the other, is literally right down the street from me and that's pretty damn strange but pretty damn fun my name is j scott smith and this is the 63rd episode of the people's podcast this is jsc radio and we'll be back after this Check check it out this is jsc radio
2: Okay, so five tacos of cheese and a large soda. That's $10,012. Please drive around.
0: Wait,
1: $10,000 what? It's
2: obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've
1: only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah,
2: the food's 12 box, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in.
0: Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS. Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 14 4T- Thousand news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over four million card dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts like JSC Radio for free on. Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app, simple. Go to stitcher.com today or check out the app store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. All right. Uh, Real quick. So in this first segment, in the midst of everything, it came out that Luana K. Simon was planning on stepping down effective, well, tomorrow or, you know, Thursday, since I'm recording this on Wednesday night. Well, during the break, turned out that she offered up her letter of resignation effective immediately. So Luanna K. Simon is donezo, Out of here, as she should be. Simply put, it was time. And in the letter, which is pretty lengthy, and I'm gonna get this out of the way very quickly, not gonna take too much time up on this. She says, the survivor's accounts are horrific. They are tragic, heartbreaking, and personally gut-wrenching. I take that solace that many victims have indicated that the opportunity to confront Nasser is a step toward healing. As Nasser's legal journey to prison was drawing to a close, more and more negative attention was focused on Michigan State University and on me. <sighs> What's so crazy is she still doesn't seem like she fully gets it. As tragedies are politicized, blame is inevitable. This isn't just simply being politicized, you really let this shit go on. As president, it's only natural that I am the focus of this anger. I understand, and that is why I have limited my personal statements. Anyone who knows me knows that I am, principled per- I am a principled person. I have spent my entire professional career more than 40 years at MSU. I love this place. I have watched it grow and prosper, and it has been an honor and a privilege of my life to serve as this president since 2005. And over the last few years, I have the opportunity to work with all of you toward our shared goals for MSU. I will continue to do whatever I can to help MSU prosper in the future as a Spartan in whatever role I may play. The only role that you will be playing is the tune that they play when you're walking up the street at the end of The Incredible Hulk. You're done. We're done here. Get out.
4: that was 7-9 a year ago. This team that had their optimist hoping for a competitive season to challenge for the NFC East title won 13 games along the way and overcame the losses of Jason Peters, Darren Sproles, Jordan Hicks, Caleb Sturgis, Chris Maragos, and finally, Carson Wentz. Wow. No For the first time in 13 years, the Eagles are headed for the Super Bowl and a rematch with the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. Mel Reese, pack your bags. We're going to Minneapolis.
0: This is the 63rd episode, episode 63 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Damn it keep having to jump in here. I swear this is like, maybe I should start doing this podcast live because when things like this happen, Lord knows what we get ourselves into. Wanna shout out my man, Doc Illingsworth. I didn't get the chance to shout him or Awesome Jones out because they're the ones providing a large amount of the soundtrack for this show you hear right now. By the way, again, go to patreon.com slash JSC radio to become a patron and support what we do here. Because of you, there there has been an equipment upgrade I'm working with all new shit now and it's only getting better because of you guys. And I would love to have more patrons, more patrons, more people who just wanna help out because as this show grows, I'll be able to give you more extras, more cool shit. Plus, if you wanna get your business out there, get on this show. Get on Patreon, patreon.com slash jscradio. Or of course, you can simply go over to The Mothership, jscottsmith.com. If you want me to be a speaker at one of your engagements, hit me up, I do public speaking as well. Come get at me, bro. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at J That's J-A-Y-S-C-O Two Ts, S M I T H. Or you can follow the show at J S C Radio. I needed, I needed to do this. I needed to get back just a little bit to something fun. And I'm gonna make this as quick as I possibly can. You heard the intro as we came back from, you know, the little special addendum. You heard the intro. We're talking quickly about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl matchup is here, it's back. And, well, once again, it's the New England Patriots against the bird team. Except this bird team is from the city that loves to flip you the bird. The city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, the city that I have essentially called my second home for almost three years now, the city of Philadelphia. And anybody who was following me during last week's conference championship games already knows that it was pretty surreal for me. I live in Southwest Philly, about maybe five to seven minutes away from the stadium district out here. Now, you gotta understand in Philadelphia, the three stadiums, Lincoln Financial Field, where the Eagles play, Citizens Bank Park, where the, where the Phillies are, and the Wells Fargo Center, which is home to both the 76ers and the Flyers, as well as this week's, this weekend's Royal Rumble and NXT Takeover. They're right down the street. I pass by them every single day. Every morning, early morning, when I'm driving to work, I pass by Lincoln Financial Field, and it is, it is this giant LED screen with the two big green eagle wings on the side. I drive past that damn thing every day. I am within earshot literally of it as I found out on Sunday. When Alshon Jeffrey caught that wide open TD pass, it was as loud as I have ever heard a stadium, at least since the Silverdome days back in Detroit. I could hear the damn stadium from where I am. And you have to understand, I ain't like next door. I am way off of it. By at least five to seven minutes, I heard that damn stadium. It was outrageous. It was great, but it was outrageous. So I said it on Twitter. It was pretty surreal. It was pretty bizarre being in a city where your team or the team is about to go to the Super Bowl because I've never experienced it. The closest I came to experiencing it, boy, I'm all tongue tied today. The closest I came to experiencing it was when the Lions got to the NFC Championship game in 1991 and they ended up losing in Washington. That was as close as the Lions have ever gotten to a Super Bowl. And that was what's so wild about this. Is that I've never really felt the energy of a city that's about to go to a Super Bowl. The Eagles, this is their third one. They haven't won it. They haven't won it yet, but they've been to two others. But this one seems super like special for this city, and they deserve it. Now, obviously, they're going up against the same team that they faced the last time they were in the Super Bowl in 2005, and they're facing the same quarterback who was on that team in 2005?
4: New, New England. New England. New England.
0: Yes, 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 I know. We we don't need to we don't need to bring that up. Well, hopefully I won't need to be bringing that up on the episode that follows the Super Bowl. But they're going into this thing and yes, a lot has been made of them being underdogs. And I could kind of see why they were underdogs say against Atlanta because they had come off really shaky. And they had struggled for about a month, even in winning games. They were struggling to get to the finish line. I didn't understand why that team was an underdog to the, to the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings needed a miracle of all miracles.
4: Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay- Yard, Minneapolis miracle.
0: They needed basically a whoa! he has trouble with the snap type of miracle in order to get to that NFC Championship game to just get de-pantsed by the Eagles. They made the Vikings look like the Lions in a game against a team with a pulse. They made Case Keenum who was on his way to making a bushel basket of money as the Brinks trucks were getting filled up, now they made Case Keenum kinda look like Case Keenum. When Patrick Robinson caught that ball and the interception and ran it back 50 yards, my eyes lit up when that thing went airborne. Because I saw, I knew it was an interception before it even got to Robinson. Before Robinson even stepped into the frame, I knew that ball was getting picked off by somebody. And that whole game flipped. And that was the first time I heard that stadium in the distance and it got loud. And then on the Jeffrey pass, it got real loud. I love the energy of that Philadelphia Eagle team, I do. And I am so damn envious and so damn jealous of these people who get to celebrate a third Super Bowl trip. A lot of these people, if they're my age or a little bit older, they've been alive for all three. For them, this team going to the Super Bowl is like when the Pistons or the Tigers got to the NBA Finals and World Series respectively. I've seen the Red Wings win four Stanley Cups in my life. I've seen the Pistons get three titles. They should have five. I've seen them get three titles in my life. The Red Wings should have five too, by the way. I've, I've seen Michigan State win a national championship in basketball. Hell, Michigan State won a national championship in hockey. I've seen my teams all win except for that big blue and silver pile of excrement that plays in Ford Field. And more often than not, that's a team that's more concerned about its touchdown celebrations and looking like they're a good team instead of being one. That's what the Eagles and the Patriots are. And and a moment on the Patriots, the AFC Championship. The AFC Championship game, that that was theater. It was, it was theater. It was the better of the two games. The NFC Championship game was an unmitigated ass kicking. The Vikings were dead as soon as Patrick Robinson picked that ball off it was over right then. At 7-7, that game was over. The Patriots basically did what the Patriots have, be- have just grown to do. When the Eagles played the Patriots in 2005, they were coming off back-to-back championships. They were peak Patriots. Brady was just really starting to enter that GOAT conversation. He was still young. He was still semi-babyface. The Patriots weren't completely hated at this point. He was young Brady, he was dynamic, he was really, really good. These Patriots are the old grizzled heel Patriots. The ones who've seen some shit, been through some shit, and just don't give a damn about what you think. Tom Brady's out here dropping F-bombs on people everywhere. You got players fighting each other, infighting in the organization. A lot of these guys are, are aged out, but they also got a lot of young dudes and there's just so much piss and vinegar in this team. I mean, honestly, they're the type of team where even though you hate them, if they wore your city's uniforms, you'd probably love them. And that's what makes the Patriots the Patriots. That game with Jacksonville. Jacksonville, that's a really damn good team. They have the type of defense that I would just kill to have in Detroit. Kill. But they weren't ready for prime time. Uh, uh, I mean, in retrospect, did anybody really think a team with Blake Bortles as its quarterback was gonna get to a Super Bowl? Now, the fact that he looked pretty damn good for the first three quarters of that game had me even shook a little bit. But did anybody really think a team with him at quarterback was gonna go to the Super Bowl? Really? Did any of you think that when Tom Brady's on the other side of the field? And that whole time as I'm watching that, I'm thinking, this game it's too close. 20 to 10 is not enough, as we learned last year in the Super Bowl. 20 to 10 with 10 minutes to play, that's cake for the Patriots. Because if 28-3 with a super-powered Atlanta team wasn't enough, 20 to 10 with a Jacksonville team with a guy who who at any minute could go all Blake Bortles, you knew it was gonna happen. You just knew it. I knew as soon as that game got to 20 to 17, New England was winning. On the first touchdown to Amendola, not the second. I knew they were winning. Jacksonville and all the Patriot haters and conspiracy theorists. And trust me, I don't care much for the Patriots either. I told you what I wanted to see happen to them last year in episode thirty. I told you what was I wanted to see happen to them. It didn't happen. But you, you got to stop with all the conspiracy theories. Oh, well this whistle cost Jacksonville the game. I mean, when Miles Jack made a hell of an athletic play, stole the ball from Deion Lewis, as he was about to get loose on a screen pass and probably score a touchdown. Miles Jack, the dynamic rookie defensive back, chased this cat down, snatched the ball from him, and in the midst of them tumbling over each other, he comes out with the ball. The refs blow the whistle because they thought they saw Lewis touch him while he was down. And at first glance, at regular speed from a certain angle, it looked like that. The replay showed that's not what happened. The ref got a little trigger-happy, blew the whistle, blew the play dead. And, yeah, it hosed them a little bit. It did. But you also have to remember two things. One, Jacksonville was up by 10 at this point. It was 20-10, to 10, not 13-10, not 20-17, to because people like that little revisionist history. It was a 10-point Jacksonville lead at the time. Secondarily, Jacksonville still got to keep possession of the ball, and they did squadoosh with it as they did the rest of the game. You can't sit on a 10-point lead against wily old bastard Tom Brady. You can't. You couldn't have really gotten away with it against young Brady. You really couldn't do it against old Brady. Maybe U of M Michigan Brady, you might have been able to get away with that. You ain't doing that against old ass, been through it all, I hate everybody Tom Brady. You can't do it. And as soon as you give the Patriots an opening, they will rip out your heart. And that's what they did. The Jags found out like just about every other team in the better part of the last 15 years. You don't F around with the Patriots in big games. You don't. You gotta put them down. The Giants learned that. Put them down. Now yes, they used two just cheat code-esque catches to pull it off. But you got to put that team down. The Baltimore Ravens figured that out and put that team down. Other teams can't. And people always, you hear it, anybody who hears this podcast knows how much I get on the Detroit Lions about their phony little BS fourth quarter comebacks. And Matthew Stafford's got all these comeback victories, blah, 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 blah. But see, the thing is, all those comeback wins are against tomato can teams, against jabronis, against these teams that are barely serviceable, that are barely getting over on anyone These these fourth-place teams, these teams that got like two wins, they're like two and eight, and you're pulling these bullshit comebacks late in the fourth quarter to pump up your stats. Tom Brady's out here pulling fourth-quarter comebacks on the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl, on the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, on the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC title game, on the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC title game on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. Those are the kind of comebacks I respect. That's why. Those are the kind of comebacks I'll get behind. You're down 10, you're down 17, 25 to a damn good team, and you come storming back and beat the hell out of them. He damn near pulled it off against Denver two years ago. That's what you do. Those are the ones that impress me. Not some jackaloon comeback against a, a bad LA Ram team. Or some, or some lame comeback against Washington in week four. Or some sorry comeback against the Cleveland Browns. Give me something like that and you'll get my attention. I really like these Eagles though. I'm not gonna give you a full prediction. I'll sneak it in at the end of the retro review next week. But the idea that the Eagles are this big-time underdog, I don't buy into it. Nick Foles is a damn good quarterback. And there are a lot of teams that are going to be offering up a mint to the Eagles to try to trade for him. Because this bitch and came onto this team and basically become Jeff Hostetler 2.0. He was out there slanging that damn pill on Sunday. I was stunned. Nick Foles, who for a brief moment was a Spartan, by the way, was out there slanging that damn pill. That flea flicker to, to Torrey Smith. He nearly hit Torrey Smith on a long pass early in the game. Torrey Smith just dropped it. That pass to Alshon Jeffrey, the, the, he was squeezing it into tight spots. It, this dude was out here balling. Number nine for the Eagles was out here balling in a big game, while number nine for the Detroit Lions turtles up. Yeah, I said it. I said it and I dare you to have an issue with it. i take Foles over Stafford in a game of that nature because I saw what Foles does in big games, and I've seen what Stafford does in big games. One of them turtles up, and the other one isn't making $27 million a year, for God's sake. I dig this Eagle team, and I've probably heard more of Fly Eagles Fly in the last two weeks than I've wanted to hear, but. It looks like I'm going to be hearing it at least for another two weeks because the Eagles are in the Super Bowl and they're on their way to Minneapolis. And by the way, it has got to be the shittiest feeling in the world if you are in Minneapolis, if you live in the Twin Cities and you just saw your team go out and get their head kicked in by the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship game and now you got to go into downtown Minneapolis and see all these Eagles placards with Super Bowl underneath them going up all all over the damn street. Try that on. How does that feel if you're the damn Minnesota Vikings and anybody who lives in the Twin Cities? That's got to suck, man. Patriots, Eagles, Super Bowl, fit Oh, and one more thing before I go. Now, I've been out here in Philadelphia for the better part of the last couple years, and I've been able to listen to some Eagle games on the radio. Mostly it's been on TV. But you heard it in the intro and you heard it in the open here to start the segment I wish someone had told me before I moved out here how much of a treasure that Meryl Reese is. Meryl Reese, if you don't know, is the radio play-by-play guy for the Eagles. You heard him in the start here. He is just so damn happy. He's a man who enjoys what he does. You can tell he's a fan of this team. He's a guy who, he just has so much life to him on his calls. No shade at all. To the guys back in Detroit, because you know how I, you know I love me some George Blaha. Touchdown, MSU. You know I do. Meryl Reese is essentially the George Blaha of Philadelphia. That guy is awesome. It's awesome. I know. Obviously, if you're a Washington fan or you're a Cowboy fan or you're a Giant fan, you don't care much for Meryl Reese because of you know hashtag Eagles. But Meryl Reese is just so damn good. He is. I'm not even an Eagle fan, but damn it, I'm a fan of Merrill Reese. And I don't think anybody sounded happier than, than he did on Sunday. Hell, let me just run this back. This is the call of Patrick Robinson's interception again. Just listen to the unbridled joy in this man when he crosses that end zone, uh, that goal line and gets into the end zone. Just listen to the, the happiness in this man's voice.
4: Cano goes into a long count straightens up, takes the snap here comes the rush, he's hit and it's intercepted it's picked off by Robinson Robinson at the 30, cuts back across the field, Patrick Robinson looks for a block, now he's at the 20, he's at the 15, the 10 the 5, touchdown Patrick Robinson the rush came from Chris Long. Yeah, give the pressure to Chris Long. He gets to Keenan. Keenan throws a pop-up, and what a great job by P. Roth. He takes it down the sideline and then all the way back across the field and into the corner of the end zone.
0: And extra points to Mike Quick, the former Eagle, who is his color guy, who adds just the right amount of energy to balance off of Meryl Reese. So, yeah, again, I'm not an Eagle fan, officially, but I dig this team, and I respect their work ethic, I respect their hustle, I respect the city. So, God willing, if they win this thing, it gives us something really fun to deal with out here in Philly. Plus, there aren't too many fan bases that deserve this Super Bowl more than they do. Well, you know, except maybe the Detroit Lions. But anyway, let's let let's, let's wrap this thing up. My name is Jay Scott Smith, I'm telling you to take care of yourself. God bless, always dare to be different. <laughs> Always have your pets spayed or neutered, and we are out of here. Next week, episode 64, is the retro review of the 1998 Royal Rumble. We are gonna do it, and we're gonna look at it in all of its problematic and hilarious glory, including the night that Mike Tyson got officially introduced to the World Wrestling Federation Stone Cold Steve Austin gets his second consecutive Royal Rumble win, Asterix. And Shawn Michaels suffers an injury on an innocuous bump that essentially changed the entire direction of the damn company. I'll holla at y'all next week, and thank you so much for your support. And Luana K. Simon, get the hell out of my school and take those trustees with you. Goodbye, everybody.
4: They come right back. It's a flea flicker. Back to Foles. He's going deep down the far side of the field. And it is caught. Touchdown, Tory Smith! 41 yards! It's about to get turned up in here. <laughs> Check, it Check it out. This
0: Check is JSC Radio.
2: I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded.
1: I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's
2: house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head.
4: She killed herself.
2: And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to
4: rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it,